Welcome to the Power of Showing Up podcast, brought to you by Ray's Foundation, the experts in youth mentoring. My name is Dan Davis, and I'm the host of this podcast and a program counselor at Ray's. Today, I'm speaking to Pam Barker, who is the CEO of Y Foundations. In today's episode, you will learn how to identify young people at risk of homelessness. You will learn how to support vulnerable youth in your community, and you will get a deeper understanding into some of the challenges that homeless youth can face. Thank you so much for joining us on the Power of Showing Up podcast, Pam. I really appreciate it, and I'm excited to explore this topic a little bit deeper because I think it's something that um, is is really important to uh, bring to our audience and bring some more awareness around uh, homelessness and and young people at risk of or experiencing homelessness. Um, so before we dive into this episode a little deeper, I think it's important that we define some of the terms that get thrown around. Um, so could you give us a little bit of a breakdown on each term? So we've got insecure housing, um, at risk of, or experiencing homelessness. So there's three different terms there um, that maybe get chucked around and people don't really understand each definition. Yeah, thank you for having me, Daniel. And yes, I can definitely give you some definitions on that. So Y Foundations uses the ABS definition. So when a person does not have suitable accommodation alternatives, they're considered homeless if they're currently living um, if their current living arrangement um, is in a dwelling that is inadequate or has no tenature or if their initial tenature is short or, or extendable, so it's uncertain how long you're going to reside in a, in a house or, or a premise or doesn't allow the person to have control of access to space for social relations. So that's the definition of homelessness we use. In regards to housing insecurity, it's usually a, a risk of losing a house or, or where you're living, a dwelling or tenanture um, or inability to afford to sustain housing. And that may be um, the attributing risk factors that put you at risk of becoming homelessness. So we use these definitions to understand what homelessness is but also um, what would be classified as being insecure at risk of homelessness. And so if we were to think about the typical type of profile uh, that a young person at risk of or experiencing homelessness, like what kind of profile that may look like in the community, could you maybe talk to that point a little bit? Yeah, and so it's interesting you say profile. Um, I want to speak a little bit to that first. I think there is no profile of a young person who... um, is homeless or at risk of homelessness. I think when we profile people, we start to look at stigma and um, what does a homeless person look like? What does a homeless child or young person look like? And you see some of the adverts on TV with the snotty-nosed child in the ripped school clothes sitting in the gutter. You and I both know the education system would not allow such a young person to be going to school without being picked up. So what we know about um, what homelessness for children and young people looks like is um, really um, invisible. You know, looking at a young person, you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick them out, Daniel, in a crowd and go, that's a young homeless kid. So how do we, you know, understand or look for, um, you know, this risk in young people? How do we, how do we know when we need to ask the question or listen or, you know, possibly offer help or seek advice from another person um, 
with the feeling that the young person may be homeless. And we look at things like risk factors um, that may place that young person at risk. And usually young people tell us their stories and, you know, or, or something will come out randomly. You'll be, you know, I don't know, playing basketball in the park or just riding a bike with a young person, or you might be sitting down and reading a book and a young person may say some things where you go, hmm, that's not quite right, something's going on at home. And some of the risk factors that do present in these sort of conversations or interactions are disclosures of conflict in the home. If a parent's lost their job um, and become unemployed, um, if the members of the family have poor mental health, um, and, and the family is struggling or parents have alcohol and drug usage. Um, disclosures of domestic and family violence is common and that can be between siblings, but it also can be um, parent to a child. And there's the child abuse disclosure, obviously, um, the child being harmed by a guardian or parent. Um, and unfortunately, and it's sad to say, is that a young person in out-of-home care is a high risk in itself for homelessness due to the, the trauma that young people have experienced, but not only that, um, placement breakdown. So there's some of the things, I guess, through disclosures that sort of say, ding, 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 you know, something here isn't right. Is this young person okay? Are their family okay? But not only that, you would find if you're in education or a school setting, um, you would find a young person's school performance in school starting to decline, or the young person may display I'm doing inverted commas here, adverse behaviours. I don't call it that. They're not a disengaged young person or an adverse behaviour. They're actually a traumatised young person, a young person who's experienced trauma, either a single event or multiple events in their lives. And um, that trauma is starting to play out through their behaviour. And things like job loss of a parent and financial hardship and then insecure housing situation is a trauma event. Um, and can be really disruptive for that young person and that family or an instance of domestic and family violence. So looking for these things in everyday conversations and interactions with young people is the way that we can work out the, the possibility that something may be happening that that young person is at risk. Yeah, and I think it's important that you um, touched on the point that there isn't like a set profile or a presentation that can they can be kind of clear to the outer world. Like it can be something that is hidden or something that isn't spoken about, um, which does make it hard potentially for the people um, around that young person mm -hmm. to understand that they are going through a tough time or to even know how to help them in that situation. Um, and I think you've touched on a fair few of the points here, um, but is there anything else that you can think of for, let's say like the school system or peers or, or other people who actually are interacting with a young person um, and, and they're maybe recognizing that their school grades are going down or they're, they're truant, you know, they may not be coming to school as frequently mm -hmm. or they're not engaging yeah. as they usually do. Um, how, how can people kind of support um, young people who they believe are um, experiencing homelessness or who might be at risk of that? Yeah, definitely. And we know in the, the stats on any given night, more than 28,000 young people are homeless. So they're, they're there, they're there, Daniel. And, um, you know, I guess how we how we know and how we are able to intervene or provide support is really about asking the questions about the young person's life. Young people are great 
in the fact they're highly resilient, um, they're resourceful, and this can really hinder the public's understanding or the public's view of how bad homelessness is. Because of young people's resilient nature, now it doesn't mean that we don't need to respond to the fact that we have a large proportion of children and young people homeless, in particularly in New South Wales than any other state. However, what this does tell us is that how we interact with young people and how we talk to young people about homelessness and housing issues in the family really comes down to that relational piece. And I know the great work you guys do is based upon relationships and connection. And so um, I think just ask the young person about their lives, be inquisitive, um, listen to what they have to say without judgment and don't make a big deal about it. If a young person does disclose that um, they don't have anywhere to live tonight, it's not uh, like you don't go <laughs> all sirens blazing and go tell everybody because um, that can really get the young person offside. And especially if the young person, as you mentioned, there is coming to the point where they're probably um, not going to school, um, they're wagging or being truant, as adults call it, um, or the young person isn't performing at school or getting up to mischief and some of these trauma behaviours are coming out. Um, acting in a way that gets the young person offside won't actually really be able allow you to help them. So it's really about asking the questions, being that real calm, stable human being that doesn't make a big deal, but just listens and then ask the young person, what, what would you like me to do? How can I help you? And then making sure that um, if there is a disclosure where the young person may be at risk or something's happening, you follow the processes, both legal and obviously child safe processes. Um, but let somebody know, let somebody know about it and let that person know you're telling that person. So telling a young person, hey, I can't keep this to myself. What you've told me today really concerns me and your well-being and happiness is important to me and I want to help you. Can we go and tell X together? And then that allows a group of humans because it takes a community to raise a child. So going to tell somebody with the young person together that their situ what their current situation is, is really important because it allows the young person to have autonomy and go along with the process um, and doesn't feel like all these adults are doing stuff for them. And that will really allow the young person to stay engaged and connected and really understand that you are there to help. And as we know, working with young people over time, um, doing those type of um, behaviours as an adult supporting a young person would mean that they will continue to tell you more. So there isn't one magic pill, Daniel, or one magic sentence that um, can provide um, the best reaction or the best um what could you call it, the best um, solution to fix the current situation. Um, but just getting the young person to tell you about their current situation honestly and transparency, transparently um, is beneficial at the start so you can then start to access supports and resources to be able to connect that young person in. So Pam, one thing that comes up for me, the one thing that I think of is, you know, what happens if this young person is clearly at risk of homelessness but they're not able to talk about it or they're worried about bringing it up to um, a trusted adult or their parents who they may not even want to talk to about it or carers or whoever that may be. You know, it could be a, a wealth of people in the community. 
what would you suggest to that person who is in that spot where they feel like, well, I, I would love to do something. I'd love to support them, but they don't want to talk about it. How, how would you mm. suggest someone go, go ahead with that? That's a really hard situation and it's more common than you think. It, it tends to happen in the form, you know, you have a parent who's um, their son's friend comes to stay for one night, sleep over, and then all of a sudden there's two nights, three nights, four nights, and mum's going, hey, little Johnny, when's Tom going home? What's going on there? Should I call Tom's mum? And, um, and then what usually happens is by default, uh, the parents of of uh, Johnny go, there's something not quite right going on with Tom, but Tom didn't want to say something straight up because Tom didn't have anywhere to sleep for the last four nights. And couch surfing is really common in young people. And this is how they fall under the radar and we call it invisible homelessness. So these are really tough situations that do happen. And I think, you know, depending on the age of the young person, if they're under 16, um, reporting it to child protection is really important. Never be afraid to to do a a report. Um, It's confidential. There's a hotline. I think you may even be able to do it online, written. There's nothing wrong with reporting it um, just in case. I know it can be hard for those involved um, with the report, but if they are under 16, a report needs to be done because the safety of the young person or child, as we call them under 16, is paramount. If the young person's not willing to actually tell you their current situation, depending in the setting where they are, if they're in a school, perhaps there's someone in the school that you can speak to, the guidance counsellor, the psychologist on site, the young person's teacher, just giving a bit of a heads up. Something's not right with this young person. They don't want to disclose anything to me. I think it might be this, um, but we just need those who have contact with the young person to watch and just take note. And at some point that young person may speak up. I guess with young people, sometimes you just can't force things because there's a lot of emotions going on and just being that constant regular person in their life and each time they show up and you meet with them or see them, asking them how they are and asking them if there's anything they need or any support that you can provide them um, can be all you can do. Um, It's a real hard one, Daniel. There's, you know, unless that young person's willing to talk, you know, you may get it wrong. The young person may be fine, right? But I think, as I said before, it takes a village to raise a child. And I think um, what is good with young people who are connected in school and other, you know, community-based initiatives means that there's lots of people who have contact with the young person. There's lots of eyes on the young person. And what we want to do, I call us, we're sort of like um, gatekeepers or first responders in this area, is that if in an intervention sense, if many people have eyes on the child or young person, many people can watch. And if the opportunity or moment arises, the young person may say something to somebody. So it's about working together and making sure that young person's supported and that there is um, connections for that young person to reach out to if things aren't going right at home. Yeah, they're all fantastic points and, and some really practical ways, I think, that people can support other youth in the community that they suspect are at risk of homelessness. Is there anything else in that practical sense that um, our audience might be able to um, utilise as a resource in terms of practical support for people they suspect um, are at risk of homelessness or who actually are homeless in the community? 
Yeah, there is. So if a young person does become homeless, it's really important that um, the support is provided very quickly because we want to make sure that young person doesn't place themselves in a position of danger. And there's lots of misconceptions around couch surfing that, oh, yeah, I'm just sleeping on a couch, I'm safe, I've got a roof over my head. But we know statistically and the research says that the mental health of a young person who's sleeping on a couch deteriorates really quickly and that can lead to other things. As well as what we know, I don't want to scare the audience, but um, couch surfing poses a lot of risks around trading things for the roof or the bed or the couch or somewhere safe to sleep. Um, and that means young people can be severely exploited um, as a result. And um, protecting the vulnerability of children and young people is really important. So if you uh, if someone does disclose to you that they're they're in in a tough place or things are not okay at home or they're currently sleeping um, couch surfing, it's really important that they're connected with a service. There is Ask Izzy, which is a website that is a directory of services and support. And um, part of this podcast, Daniel, I can give you some links that can be published um, with the recording if that's possible. Um, but there's always also linked to home. Um, that's another option. But knowing where the services are in your community, understanding what those services do, and then building some connections and contacts around you is really important if you're working with children and young people in order to be able to give those services a call. And so if this has resonated with, with our audience or there are some concerns maybe from parents or schools or, or whoever it may be that's listening to this, uh, you've mentioned a few services there. Um, are there any other places, including Y Foundations, that people can go to? Yeah, so Y Foundations is the peak body for youth homelessness in New South Wales. So we do quite a huge um, advocacy and research and policy um work across New South Wales and, and nationally. So we we are unable to help. However, through the Ask Izzy system, you can search services like Youth Off the Street, St. Lawrence House, Teldamundi, Mission Australia, and you can sort of see what is available. Um, our website, if you jump on there, we have lots of resources about youth homelessness. We do the National Youth Homelessness Matters Day every year, which is coming up in the third um, Wednesday in April. Um, we've got resources there if your organisation um, or anyone at home wants to, to get involved in, and tell people about youth homelessness and how awful it is. So we do more of that resource stuff. You can also um, click on Ask Izzy from our website, um, but there are many services out there um, across New South Wales and Australia who provide great supports. Um, and I, I'm sure if you uh, look up any youth homelessness service on Google and give them a call. Someone there will be able to help as we do have an amazing policy in our sector called No Wrong Door and we do try to support and help when we can. Thanks for joining me today for the Power of Showing Up podcast brought to you by Ray's Foundation, the experts in youth mentoring. Want to hear more about Youth Matters? Then subscribe today so you are always up to date with our latest episodes. If you like this episode, then feel free to share it with a friend or leave us a review. We'll see you in the next episode.